0: back to the Renaissance, Ray Bear. How are you, buddy? Great. How are you? How are you? <laughs> I feel like I've been raped by uh, 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 invading goth army, Ray. How about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's been my week. I've been raped by goths, Ray. But you know yeah, what? It's probably, yeah. probably my fault because I was a little bit haughty.
1: Too too proud. That's right. Yes, God wants you down here. Yeah, that's my problem. Not up there.
0: Yeah, right. right. That's right. Um, So, uh, last time on the show, like, yes, look, I know we're fifteen episodes in and we're still talking about we're nowhere near the Renaissance. I understand that. Yeah. Well, I I do feel a little bit bad because I know you all came to listen to this because you want to hear about Michelangelo and Da Vinci and those wonderful guys. And we are going to get there. Trust me. Yeah. Like, believe me, like Donald Trump says, <laughs> just believe me, we are going to drain the swamp, <laughs> but not right now. Right. Is what I'm saying. Like s- We're going to get there, but not right now. Exactly. Man, we got stuff to do yeah. first.
1: And like the Cylons, first we, we have a plan.
0: <laughs> like Donald Trump, we are going to drain this swamp, but first... We're gonna make it swampier. We're gonna before going to you can drain the swamp, you need to really, you need, yeah, you need to fill the swamp up. <laughs> then, then tr- the, trust me, in my second term, it's more dramatic in my second term. To, I'm gonna to drain to the drain
1: swamp. it after you fill it up even more.
0: Then, yeah, he knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm just, I'm just cunningly trying to bring all of the swamp beasts into the swamp, right. the swamp thing included. Then I'll drain because if the if the swamp's empty, what's the point in draining the swamp? That's a good point. If the swamp's empty and you drain the swamp, yeah. nothing's accomplished. Yeah. So Trump this is playing five D chess here. He's going to bring <laughs> everyone into the swamp, <laughs> yeah, including
1: himself, right? And his family. Then
0: he's going to drain. Then he then he's going to drain the swamp. <laughs> um, what he's not going to do is go to North Korea. Right, that's, a, say, that's off the books.
1: It's a good thing they didn't give him the Nobel but Peace that's, Prize. Good thing you no, got those sure. coins
0: minted. <laughs> um, anyway, right. we can talk about that on our Monday news show Mate, this week. Yes. Um, on episode sixteen of the Renaissance, I, w- I, w- I want to keep talking about uh, Augustine and his City of God, and then in the next couple of episodes, we're going to talk about some of the, the, the main reasons I wanted to talk about this stuff. Uh, uh, talk about this period. We're going to talk about Hypatia of Alexandria. I think in episode seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the great stories, and according to some people that 's where the dark ages actually started was with the death of hypatia ah. and then in episode uh, eighteen we 're going to talk about saint basil uh of faulty and <laughs> uh some and 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 when when Christianity really started to ramp up this idea that look literature is great don 't get us wrong <laughs> just don't just don 't read the naughty bits right. Anything, anything that talks about sex or, or having fun or the fact that gods are silly, uh, don't read that yeah. uh, uh, because that th- that is a precursor, obviously, to the thinking that that stagnated Western civilization for right. a thousand plus years. Now, anyway, so that's what we're going to do in the next few episodes. Now,
1: awkwardly, I thought you said we were going to talk with Basil, so I prepared a bunch of interview questions. Um, I'll do the best I can. Yeah, give me, give
0: me, give me, give me one of them. What's your first one?
1: Why did your parents name you Basil? Did they not like you?
0: Do you know? Um, uh, uh did you know that John Cleese did some promos for the podcast network back in the day? No,
1: oh my god, he did it. I'm he
0: did it. He did a video and an, He did a podcast on the podcast network. Nice, uh, John Cleese did for a while, and uh, he he did some promos for the network. Um. Hello, you're listening to the Podcast Network. Um, was, and I can't fucking find it. Uh, I, 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 I might. I I, I you know, I had a video of him doing it and audio, and they've just done it. We'll you him, know how shit just disappears? We'll ask him to do
1: it again when we're over in Europe.
0: Oh, holy shit. I just found this. I just found the video. Uh, listen to this.
2: Hello, I'm Meryl Streep. I'm absolutely delighted to work. Did I say I was Meryl Streep? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was distracted for a moment. Um, actually, actually, the reason I mentioned it, Meryl was that last night I was having dinner with, uh, with David Hare, the famous uh, Sir David Hare, the famous playwright, and we started to talk about. Him. But, uh, actually, it doesn't matter, obviously, because uh, clearly I'm not Meryl Streep, and uh, nothing like it in, in, in at all. And I'm here to say that if you like the sort of thing that I've done in the past, you may enjoy. Uh, some of the bite-sized videos that uh, you're about to be able to see, and uh, we're putting on a little website, which is called headcast.co.uk, so headcast is sort of bits that I've done, some them humorous and some of them more sort of thoughtful, it Gives me a chance to sound off in my old age, and um, it's all connected with this rather good new network called the Podcast Network, which is... Run by Australians, so none the worse for that, I'm sure. So, if you um, if you're looking for something, so there you go.
0: Nice. <sighs> Did you hear that?
2: Yes. Yeah. That thanks. Was awesome.
0: Yeah. My brief, 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 brief relationship with John Cleese. Um. So, uh, uh, Augustine. Yeah. Now, the last time we talked about his theory that God thought certain women deserved to be raped. Sure. Um, But that was just a little bit of the book. So the majority of the book, uh, The City of God Against the Pagans, Mm -hmm. is really just Augustine saying, look, I know this is pretty bad. Okay, what's going on in Rome right now is pretty bad. But Rome was a horrible place with lots of problems before it became 100% Christian, so you can't blame it all on us. Good point. That's basically the point of the entire book. Why did he take so many pages um, to say Rome, that? Cuz he, he he had to say it in lots of different ways. You know, it's a bit like why did we take 100 episodes to do a, a story about Alexander the Great? He, he we're the Saint Augustine of <laughs> podcasting. No, dude, thank you. dude had to had to write 20 books <laughs> in order to say it. <clears throat> And, and, look, I have to hand it to him. The dude could rot. Yes. He knew his history and his mythology. Um, I think his arguments are quite lame, uh, but I, I'm not living in the early 5th century. Um, right. so, But he he really sells the whole thing with a huge amount of conviction, and he mentions all of our old friends, Caesar, Augustus, Cicero, Sulla, Marius, the Gracchi, um, he, he he has them all in there using them all as examples for why Rome was a piece of shit before the Christians arrived right. And so uh, it's not their fault that it's gone to hell in a handbasket. right.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, let go of your earthly pleasures. Uh, universal war, the whole war between good and evil, focus on what's important, getting close to God, forget bathing, forget eating, forget washing your clothes or your kids or your wife, focus on the essentials and that's really all that matters.
0: Speaking of Cicero, one of the last known surviving copies of Cicero's De Republica Mm -hmm. was written over by Augustine. Nice. Meaning, no, not nice. Bad. Oh, I thought you meant
1: copied. I thought, oh, you mean, you literally meant written over,
0: written over, meaning either Augustine or someone else scraped the ink off the Cut. original text and then wrote something <laughs> new, uh, Augustine something Augustiny, over <clears throat> the top of it. Um, that we've, the, you know, the 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 I don't know. The scientists have discovered that they're looking at this. Uh, original Augustine uh, book and they're going, hold on a second, (laughs) there's something underneath this. Oh my God, it's Cicero's (laughs) De Republica. (laughs) Augustine himself once stood up in front of a congregation in Carthage and claimed that all superstition of pagans and heathens should be annihilated is what God wants. God Commands, indeed, God proclaims. Mm. So uh, Augustine was uh, all about the uh, little bit of the old uh, ultra violence. Yeah. Um, he he wanted to see everything that wasn't Christian destroyed, and said that God proclaimed it. That's what he preached. Oh my god. Um when he gave this speech apparently he got wild applause and it was this particular speech was possibly the cause of religious riots that happened immediately after that resulted in 60 deaths. But more importantly this this whole idea that God demands violence against the pagans led to God knows how many deaths and persecutions and and uh, the eradication of of uh, alternative religions and philosophies, which, as we know, lasted for a long time. It, it's estimated that at the time, the early 5th century, when Augustine was in his heyday, the pagans still made up half of the empire's population. Ah. Even though it was outlawed, people were still pagans, right? right. Um, you don't get them in the first generation, as I think we've, We've talked about before. It's like the argument that I made on the Iron Fist uh, podcast recently about immigration, and people, some people in this country are up up in arms about Muslims coming into the country. Oh, they come in and they just stick with the, their own little, little enclaves, and they don't learn the language, and they don't, you know, uh, develop the customs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe, but their children are gonna grow up going to Australian schools, surrounded by Australian media culture. Their grandchildren are gonna have another generation of culture and and and, and, and cultural what? Cultural bathing yeah. in that. So you don't get the first generation to to adopt the culture. But the second, the third, the fourth generation my, my dad was a Scot and you know, the only remnant of that in me is I can say it's a Bra Brechmundlechnik to nech and I like single malts. Um my my children didn't even know him, he was dead, so they've got nothing. They they have absolutely no trace of Scottish heritage in them at all, uh cultural heritage. Um they, apart from a propensity to put on weight probably when they get older. Um well, and, and sunburn. <laughs>
1: Sun and wait there we go um, no because like, you're you're absolutely right the Muslim second third generation they're gonna have an Xbox they're gonna have cell phones they're gonna be all about their about their apps on their phone so give it time and and like you said the culture around them will pretty much take care of everything if not if not everything most things
0: you know in this in this country, the I mean, we had a white Australia policy in this country up until sort of the late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. which meant that um, only white people of European heritage uh, were allowed to immigrate to the country. Wow. Uh, it started to change after World War II where they let in some Greeks and Italians and people were up in arms then going, oh my God, you're going to destroy our nice British heritage by letting these wogs in. Uh, and then in the 70s, they let a lot of uh, uh, Vietnamese in and people were up in arms again. Oh, my God, you're letting the slanty-eyed fuckers in the country. Um, and what, what's what's always amused me is when I go into a, a fruit store or a corner store or somewhere like that with a, Viet- a younger Vietnamese person behind the counter, I've probably just said this before, they're like 20 and I go in and I say, uh, can I have this please? And they're like, yeah, no worries, mate. Their <laughs> accent is broader than mine. <laughs> and and I love it. And I'm like, well, that's that's there's your second generation of yeah. Vietnamese immigrants right there. Right? They, they sound more Aussie than I do. <laughs> um, I've toned down my Australian accent. They amp theirs up. So <clears throat> that's what happened with Christians. So it, when it was mandated You had to be a Christian. Everything else was outlawed. Obviously, the first generation, the generation that are still pagans, probably are going to cling to their pagan beliefs. They're not going to jump overnight. Yeah. But within one, two, three, four, five generations later, is where it comes across. Where it's it's a slow burn. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a forest fire. It's a slow burn. And, and um, you get people over time When they grow when kids grow up and the only kind of education you can get is a Christian education And it's the only sort of dialogue that is approved of by the state is Christian dialogue Then uh, gradually it, it, it takes hold over time Anyway, um, Augustine called violence against the pagans and the heathens and the heretics uh, Merciful savagery which is um funnily enough the name of my upcoming uh porn <laughs> film uh as dick tickling. <laughs> Did you see I think I mentioned this that I posted a dick tickling thing and um uh, on Facebook and Facebook kicked me off yeah. and took the picture down. Kicked me off too. I uh, don't know why. really they
1: kicked I, you off too. I had, wow. to, I had to sign back up for picture everything cuz I'm on of the a group. wife of caesar thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. You're an admin, yeah. Wow. Um, watch for that in uh, in Pornhub coming up. Merciful savagery by Dick Tickling. Augustine wrote, "Where there is terror, there is salvation." Oh, merciful savagery! So, what do you think he meant by that, Ray? Um, if you're doing it,
1: however cruel, for the right reason, it's okay, as opposed to. Shouldn't God win the argument and not have to resort to violence? But like you said, if fifty percent of the people are still pagans. Maybe the Christians feel like they really got to get on this. But I, I'm guessing that the um, the end justifies the means.
0: Yeah, you know, August. One of other uh, one of Augustine's other contributions to the Dark Ages was how he managed to balance the ideas of turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. which a lot of Christians will tell you is central to Christianity. Sure. And killing your enemies. Augustine (laughs) managed to put those into a blender and and come up with something that that sustained Christianity for a long time. A (laughs)
1: sorbet.
0: Augustine sorbet, yeah. He came to the conclusion that as long as you loved your enemies while you killed them, that was the Christian thing. Christian thing to do it and you got Jesus's tick of approval If you Shoot someone in the head But tell them you love them A bit like Bill Did to the bride And kill Bill <laughs> You have no idea How much this hurts me Boom um, The then it's all going to be okay. Kill Bill, Bill was the Saint Augustine uh, character. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that, but Tarantino was really those films were a metaphor right. for the rise of Christianity in the fifth century. This is deep. Um, <laughs> oh man, I'm going to going to be teaching an entire course on this uh, over the summer. <laughs> if you want to come along um, in Europe, yes. Kill Bill is a yes. metaphor for Christian violence. Um, See, in in City of God, he justified the idea of a just war. Now, the concept of a just war predates Augustine, goes back to Cicero, but Augustine Mm -hmm. built upon it, and and it was really his um, conception of it, I think, that that popularised the idea Well, ever since then, really, it still gets used today, the concept of a just war. He wrote, But, say they, the wise man will wage just wars, as if he would not all the rather lament the necessity of just wars if he remembers that he is a man. For if they were not, he would not wage them, and would therefore be delivered from all wars. Ah. So the term just war comes from Augustine, even though the concept predates him. Now, he he, he justified having the emperor use force against the Donatists who were still around. Do you remember who the Donatists were or the Donatists? I
1: remember the name. What was their – was that something to do with Jesus and Mary? I honestly can't remember.
0: I, 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 the easy way to remember it is that it's Donatists. Don't they were like, don't let those people back in the church. So oh, that's right. That's during right. the persecutions, yeah, some some priests and bishops gave up their holy Bibles and relics. Then they wanted to get back in after Constantine gave his Edict of Toleration, and the Donatists, Donatists, or the donatists <laughs> are like, no, don't let them back Fuck in. Them. Fuck them. They're not. They're not holy enough. Um, so at this stage they're still around a hundred years after Constantine wow. tried to shut them down. They're still going. And 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 Augustine justifies using force against them to force them to change their views and, and join mainstream Christianity. Um he he wanted to have their property confiscated, he wanted to have their services forbidden, he wanted to have their clergy exiled. And he kicked him out of Hippo, where he was the bishop, um, took over their churches, posted anti Donatus texts on the walls. And this is his justification. He says, the thing to be considered when anyone is coerced is not the mere fact of the coercion, but the nature of that to which he is coerced. Er? As you said before, the end justifies the means. Mm, gotcha. So if 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 you think that the thing you are forcing someone to do is the right thing like accept your religious views then it's okay to use Free force. Pass, <laughs> Free pass, baby. Free pass. This was his this is his rationale. Well, yes, I'm I'm coercing them to do it using force, but it's okay because I'm trying to save their soul.
1: So wa- waterboarding is Bad, but waterboarding for God is good.
0: Well, waterboarding for any purpose that you believe is justified is good. Gotcha. Thank you. According to Augustine. All right. Yeah. So you can now waterboard your children because you're doing it to teach <laughs> That's them. That's what I was going to say. To be good. But I didn't
1: want to come across like yeah. a dick, so thanks. <laughs>
0: Now this isn't from the city of God this is from his writings a treatise concerning the correction of the donatists Now and this is this is brilliant um you know this guy would have made a great lawyer uh you know he, he Trump he'd be on Trump's team today right. if uh he, he after Trump gets rid of Giuliani he will hire St Augustine He says look Here is my biblical proof that using violence to coerce somebody is holy. Jesus did it.
1: Nice. Jesus made me do it.
0: Well, no, 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 no. Jesus used violence to coerce someone. Okay. Now, I know you have a Christian uh, upbringing, Ray. Can you cite for me the example that Augustine is referring to? Is
1: that where he took some cords or rope and lashed moneylenders out of a temple or something?
0: No, but that that would be one uh, example that you could use. Yeah. But that's not the one Augustine points to. He says that uh, Jesus knocked Paul off his horse and then blinded him. (laughs) That'll do it. To force to force his conversion and then after Paul believed in him, then he was nice to him. <laughs> Damn. Oh. So if it's okay for Jesus to use violence right. to force someone to do the right thing, then it's okay for Christians to do it. It's Jesus approved. Now I was having this discussion with a friend of mine the other day who's a former he's a he's a Christian and a former um a, a pastor Anglican pastor and he often says Jesus is all about love God's all about love and then I'll give him counter examples he'll go oh yeah but <laughs> he said to me Jesus never did anything never condoned violence I said yeah he did he blinded Paul he goes oh but that was after he was dead I was like all oh, right so what what ghost Jesus does <laughs> okay. doesn't count it's only it's only what <laughs> humany Jesus did that matters. He goes yeah, 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 what he did I, oh, that's a different <laughs> think <laughs> right, Okay. think of
1: ghost Jesus like Vegas, and you'll be fine
0: <laughs> yeah, what happens in ghost <laughs> Jesus stays in ghost no, Jesus but
1: but seriously, to go um, back to what you were just saying a second ago, I mean you realize with that justification, and I know you know this you you've just opened up the way to Unlimited violence on anybody for any reason, as long as you can either justify it to yourself or at the very least say it 's in the name of Jesus Christ our Father and Savior
0: yeah so that is and, and this is an important thing, like Augustine was hugely influential in um, thinking about Christianity for thousand years plus 1, thousand fifteen hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, St Ambrose comes along and he's the next most influential, but but he builds on Augustine. So uh, this is the basis for centuries, millennia plus, millennia and a half of Christian violence, towards other Christians, towards pagans, uh, and then when Christians uh, started to sail around the world and invade, North America and South America and Australia and Asia and Africa and whatever, it was part of the underlying justification of their oppression of uh, the, the native peoples in those countries. Well, yes, we're, we're murdering them and, and torturing them and taking all this shit, but it's, we're here to make them good Christians and which is going to save their soul, so therefore it's, it's justifiable.
1: So Augustine is the um, <clears throat> founding father of beat some Jesus into him.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that was your father's uh, motto, right? <laughs> hey, I, I yeah. want my, my my father my father just beat me. He did had nothing to do with Jesus. It was just beating me just for the fun of it. I think. I think, but, I
1: think uh, it would have softened it up if he had mentioned Jesus a couple times. I just wanted to uh, give one more um, something from the uh, the City of God, Book thirteen, Chapter fourteen, and into what estate he fell by the choice of his own will. So this goes to free will, and you probably read this already on your own. But I'll just do. I'll just. Um, Do a read a short version of it for God, the author of natures, not of vices created man upright, but man being of his own will, corrupted and justly condemned, begot, corrupted and condemned children. For we all were in that one man, since we all were that one man who fell into sin by the woman who made him, who made from him before the sin. And then he finishes up with, and thus from the bad use of free will. There originated the whole train of evil, which with its concatenation of miseries, convoys the human race from its depraved origin and from a corrupt root onto the destruction of the second death, which is your soul, which has no end. Those being, those only being accepted who are freed by the grace of God. So the second you turn away from God and you don't do don't live your life unto his will and you use your own free will. That is the moment we were damned. And that's, I guess is something we're supposed to remember to never ever turn away from God and to never try to think for ourselves.
0: Yeah. And, I, and it's a hugely influential too, in terms of um, Christian views on free will, mm-hmm. uh, which have been part of Christianity, I think from the get go, because it was, predicated, guys like Paul, anyway, in his writing, it's predicated on this idea that you, you have a choice between whether or not you follow or you don't. And even in the Gospels, there's the sense that if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're going to go to hell for eternity. So there's some choice there. But And, and free will had been debated, obviously, for ever, centuries before Christianity, but there was always this these coexisting ideas of the will of the gods versus free will and and how much of our lives were determined by the gods we know that guys like lucretius and the epicureans uh, around the time of julius caesar and cicero uh, you know lucretius wrote um on the nature of things around about that time mm. which totally destroyed free will as a concept he said everything is governed by atoms Um, there's no such thing as the gods or free will. Um, and he said, if the, even if there are gods, they're also governed by Adam. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but under the Christians, definitely there was this idea that we had free will and you had a choice and, and Augustine played a big part of that. Gotcha. Um, so, so yes, it's, it's all your fault if things go bad. Um, so he, 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 Justified violence on this basis of Jesus did it. And he says, why therefore should not the church use force in compelling her lost sons to return if the lost sons compelled others to their destruction? Ooh, And he says, it's all okay because they congratulate themselves that these most wholesome laws were brought to bear against them. So he says, okay, yeah, we torture them, to force them to recant their old views and accept our views, but once we do that, they're so happy that we made them do it. They're like, "Oh, thank they, you, thank for came making along me, and me believe." Thank you for setting my feet on fire. Uh, you've really, you've really <laughs> saved me. Now I'm so happy. Can't walk, but I'm so happy that you. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the rack because now I'm on the right path. Yeah. yeah, now, uh, in his earlier works, he'd actually been reluctant to condone the compelling of outsiders into the church. He, in one of his earlier uh, works, he said, Words should be our instruments, arguments, our weapons, reason. Our means of conquest Ooh. And we should avoid making enforced Catholics Out of those whom we had known as open heretics
1: What, what so? What, what brought about the change, do you think? Desperation?
0: He I, I just got old and cranky, I think <laughs> um, And, you know, cock-blocked cock by his mother <laughs> oh, You get cock-blocked by your mother oh, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, like there, there seems to be the older he gets, uh, the later writings become less and less tolerant, more and more cranky. Like early on, remember his background. Before he devoted himself to Christianity, he was a Manichaean, and and he studied all the greats. He was yeah studied the the, the classics. He was very very bright, um, but then something happened, and he gave all that stuff about reason and logic and words up. And um, yeah, he he started resorting more and more to justifying force. Mm. Now there was, there was no support that I can find uh, in the new Testament for persecution, persecuting people to make them believe what you want to believe, unless you, you know, go back to Jesus knocking Paul off a horse and blinding him. Um, And he doesn't try and use the New Testament really to justify it outside of that example. Mm. In fact, the Donatists used to taunt Augustine uh, using Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' <laughs> sake. Damn. Yeah. They're like, yeah, go ahead, persecutors. That's what Satan wants you to do. Whoa. And that's one of the thing, That's one of the things I always say to my Christian friends when they throw New Testament quotes at me: is the New Testament's got so much shit in it, and the let alone the Old Testament that you can use it to justify anything. You can use it to justify peace and love. You can use it to justify extreme violence and everything in between. You can cherry pick the fuck out of it. All day, all night, because it's it's got everything in there. It's a bit like the Quran. <laughs> what, this is what Muslims do with the Quran today. You can take the Quran and you can use it to justify anything if you want, if you want to cherry pick it. Um, it's got everything in there. So, yeah. And and very few people read the whole thing anyway, and try and understand it. Myself included. I'm like, I'm not the world's greatest biblical expert, but I, I, I know enough about it to know that yeah. you can pick. Like, I've been having having fun on Facebook recently, just pulling shit out of the Old Testament, particularly Deuteronomy, um, and throwing it up on Facebook just to try and create conversations about it, and also stuff from Jesus. Like, I, I threw up a, one of uh, Jesus's parables the other day where uh, he's talking about the king and the talents and he says bring them bring those people who don't want me to be king before me and slay them in front of me. Oh damn. And uh one of one of my friends who's a Christian said, "Oh, that's just a parable." I'm going, "Yeah, but Jesus's parables had a point, right? <laughs> he didn't just teach didn't say come up with parables for no reason. The parables are in there. They they're talking about himself and and Jews and and Judaism and that, that's, all of the parables are basically referencing what he's, he's teaching with parables about his mission, his, according to the Gospels. So <laughs> bring them here and slay them before me.
2: Wait,
0: what's that parable about? What's that part of the parable about? And my Christian friend goes, oh, that was just, that's just, that was just a throwaway lie. <laughs> really, just a throwaway lie. Okay.
1: Anything uh, that comes from the mouth of Jesus should not be throwaway, but that's just my
0: take on it. Mm, just convenient. I love the way they go. Oh, well, you got to believe all of this stuff is literal, except that bit. No, don't <laughs> worry about that bit. That's just important. So anyway, Augustine's views changed over time, and he he sort of began with the argument that Donatism intimidated many Catholic Christians, mm. and it was the duty of the Catholics to release them from that kind of intimidation. So you know the the donatists donatists are making catholics feel uncomfortable so we need to get rid of the donatists so we don't feel uncomfortable we need to <laughs> our our rights are being oppressed right so we need to kill them or force their conversion anyway so we don't feel oppressed
1: but but like you said earlier the donatists were were legitimately pointing out uh, a weakness, a flaw, or whatever, or a, um, a fluctuation, if you will, in the in some of the Christians' faith, who gave up when they were told to by the emperor and then came back. So it is a legitimate concern or gripe that Donatists have. And so I guess because it is because it is a valid point, the only way you're going to get rid of them from saying it is
0: to get rid of them themselves.
2: Jeez.
0: So he, he he therefore said that. Compulsion was permissible because they were making Catholics feel uncomfortable, and when they forced them to convert, the Donatists were excellent Christians afterwards. <laughs> so therefore, it was okay. And it, it, just as God can punish in the exercise of love, so could the church. As long as you love them while you did it, it was okay.
1: If if I love hitting yeah. them, is that the same thing as loving them while I hit them? <laughs>
0: No, it's, it's. we say, I'm doing this for okay. your own good. This is complicated. I'm hitting right. you. Yeah. I'm hitting you for your own good. Okay. Uh, because I'm saving your soul from everlasting hellfire. That's good, they, right? They you don't do. want, you, you don't want, you don't want your soul to be an everlasting hellfire. I don't believe in a soul. Well. <laughs> I want you to quit hitting It doesn't me, matter if right. you believe in it or not. <laughs> it's still going to go to hell. <laughs> and that idea is caught on and um, was used, uh, you know, I, I would argue that it's still being used today in many ways. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to invade country X because uh, we don't like the way they're doing it and they should be doing it the way we're doing it and they'll all be much happier. We're going to invade Iraq because we don't like Saddam, and yeah, if we have to kill millions of people in the process, it's okay because they're going to be so much happier when we get rid of Saddam. <laughs> what I- ISIS? What? No, I-, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's that, and, and but the, the thing is, that logic still works with people today. Uh, we're gonna. We're going to invade or we're going to – I saw this. uh, So Venezuela just had their election. Mm -hmm. Maduro got back in. The Americans are complaining that the election was fraudulent because some of the opposition weren't allowed to stand in the elections. So the U.S. are ramping up their um, sanctions against Venezuela. Now, of course, the sanctions hurt the people of Venezuela, as we've seen the sanctions in Cuba and North Korea. Right. It's the average people. It's not the guys at the top of the food chain that, that hurt. It's the uh, regular people that get hurt by sanctions. They can't get enough food. They can't get medi- medicines. It's They can't get internet, education, all these sorts of things. Um, so, so you're punishing them because you don't like the way they do things. You don't like what's going on. But you're doing it with the justification that it's for, it's for their own good. <laughs> We're punishing you for your own good.
1: <laughs> so you see the light. Our way. The white American yeah. way.
0: Yeah, do it our way. Oh, i got to play something.
1: Decisions to the medical professionals. And my professional prescription is, your toe needs crap.
2: It's
0: the only way! Huh? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what the hell was that? Uh, it's an episode of Adventure Time called My Way. Have you ever watched Adventure Time, man? No. Oh my god. Like, sit down and watch Adventure Time. It's the greatest animated show <laughs> since Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Uh, Incredibly weird and subversive. Mm. Um, That's an episode where uh, uh, Jake and Finn, the two main characters, Jake's a a talking magical dog and Finn is his brother, best friend, uh, human. Um, they're, They're injured and they have these clown nurses come in to look after them with lots of kisses and they they're freaky, and they say it's the only way. It's the only episode of Adventure Time Fox can't watch. It freaks him out. He gets terrified. <laughs> makes me turn it I off. I would too. It is it is quite terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only way. Says Augustine is the point of all that. Now, in the 13th century, uh, a papal legate reported on the extermination of the Cathars. Mm. If you haven't never heard of the Cathars, they were quite a, a popular. Christian sect in the Middle Ages that preached about returning to the aesthetic ideals of early Christianity. And this papal legate wrote, nearly 20,000 of the citizens were put to the sword regardless of age and sex. The workings of divine vengeance have been wondrous. Oh, God. So you can see, like, there's a direct line between Augustine and that kind of stuff. Yes, we killed twenty thousand Cathars, Christians, mind you, right. um, and it was divine vengeance and a wonderful thing.
1: I, I, there are no words. I mean, what the fuck? And this is one of the.
0: I got plenty of one words. One of the fa- not founders, all-
1: but one of the fathers of Christianity. It's just.
0: I got all the best <laughs> words. I got great <laughs> words. You, you won't believe. <laughs> I don't believe my words. How great my words are!
1: I mean, just oh, I mean, how many times are we going to go through here? Where and of course we're not we're not ever going to stop because it's in the history. But Christian on Christian violence, which I know is your favorite kind of violence. I mean, this stuff is just repri- sexy. <laughs> throughout history. And, and But like you said, it all gets washed away. If you ask anybody about Christianity, Christianity, the first word that comes to their mind is love. Love, peace, acceptance, understanding, forgive forgiveness. But it all starts with love.
0: Yeah, well, and, and violence and, you know, uh, <laughs> right. l- loving violence. <laughs> the violence of love. <laughs> um, now, Augustine's two books... Uh, two main books, Uh, you you know, he wrote a ton of shit, as I think I said Mm -hmm. in the last episode, like tons and tons of shit. But his two main books, his Confessions and his City of God Against the Pagans, highly influential across Christendom, partly because he was very, very smart and very educated and he could write like a motherfucker, Mm -hmm. which was rare in Catholic circles in those days. Mm. Keep in mind, remember that one of his objections to Christianity early on uh, was that it was it was poorly written? Like he said, the Gospels were poorly written, right? And the, the writings of the Christian uh, early Christian fathers that he thought were all pretty dumb. He thought their logic was dumb, their writing was dumb. They, obvi- they he was a, he was a snob man, an intellectual snob, uh, which is one of the reasons why Ambrose wanted to uh, get him into the fold because he was uh, super smart. Right. Did I say earlier on that Ambrose came later? I was... um Did I say that? Am I getting my... I think
1: you said somebody was built upon...
0: God. Um, Isn't it? uh, Fucking... In case you said that. Oh, I can't remember the guy who comes late. I've got a mental block. Anyway. Can I give you a weird
1: reaction to the city of God? Because I went back through some of this week, and I read it. I read more of it, uh, and I got a couple more examples. I've got good news for the Jews. They're going to be saved, too. But um, as I'm reading through it, and and I don't mean this as flippant as it sounds, I, I got the impression, and, I, and you probably haven't read any of these, but I'm sure you've seen these in, in bookstores and things like that, or on, <clears throat> excuse me, online, where you see books like, the science of Star Wars, the science of Star Trek, the science of Terry Pratchett's Discworld. It's like someone it's like Augustine sat down and took all of this stuff that he knew about Christianity and he said, Okay, if it was true, if all this stuff is legit, write write something down, explaining it, connecting it, justifying it, prop it up, propose it, whatever. But to me this is nothing more than the science of Christianity that's not real, but here's someone who's like, if I had to make sense of it, this is what I and justify it, this is what I would write. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's exactly what he's doing. Thomas Aquinas, who's who I meant to say before, oh, comes later. Gotcha. In the 13th century, builds on Augustine. Yeah, no, you're right. That's exactly what he's doing. He's trying to justify it, and like he he does a great job. Um, obviously, because he was highly influential. But when I read through it, it's a bit like when I first read Paul seriously, Paul's epistles. Mm. Having heard all my life that oh, this is amazing writing, and it's like when I read uh uh uh, uh fucking C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity, right. Uh, my Christian friends had always said, oh, the thing that converted me was C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Like, he was an atheist, he became a Christian. That book, so amazing. So I fucking sat down and read it once, years ago. I was like, oh, what a piece of shit this is. (laughs) Like, seriously, (laughs) so dumb, so dumb. uh
1: well, it's great, it's great that it's interesting that you mentioned John Cleese earlier because, um, someone was telling me that, uh, C.S. Lewis, my wife, uh, loved him, loved him, loved him, and I, and I, I was going to read something, but I was lazy. So I got the audio book to the screw tape letters read by John Cleese and, In that sense, it was very entertaining. But yeah, when you read, when you read this guy, like you were saying earlier, this guy could put words together and, and, and make a proposition and make an argument and and justify it. He knew how he was a wordsmith. He knew what he was doing. But some of the other people that you, that you hear are great or great Christian writers. Unless you're really into it, I, I wasn't impressed with, um, with their ability to put words together.
0: The problem with CS Lewis I had was the the founding idea that I could take out of mere Christianity was that a good exists and God is good therefore God exists. Mm. There wouldn't be any good without God. Yeah, there can't be any good without God and good exists therefore God must also exist. It's like that's like circular reasoning you idiot that <laughs> doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> anyway, a nine-year-old's
1: argument. Let's, yeah. let's,
0: yeah and people love it. Oh, they fucking love mere Christianity. and I was, oh, it's dumb, so dumb. I was so disappointed. I was disappointed when I read Paul, disappointed when I read Augustine, disappointed by these guys. I want to be impressed. I want and I'm impressed by their ability to write. I mean Paul and Augustine can write like motherfuckers, um, but uh, I'm constantly reading their stuff going, this is horrible on so many levels, just horrible. Not to say there isn't some good stuff in there, but generally speaking, they're horrible thinkers and, and horrible people. Yeah. Anywho. Um, so I, I guess my point was being very smart and very educated and being able to write was was fairly rare in Catholic circles in Augustine's mm time most of the really smart people were pagans mm-hmm. uh christianity was mostly the lower classes uh attractive to the lower classes um yes there were some members of the elite that are, that were part of it but generally speaking it was mostly the lower classes uh who didn't have couldn't afford the benefit of a good education augustine one of the rare examples um He also, like Paul, who was his inspiration, remember he sort of decided to convert when he picked up Paul and read something that said, don't run around getting drunk and fucking all the time, and he was like, oh, shit, he's talking to me. (laughs) Um, Like Paul, Augustine eventually came to teach, in his later writings in particular, that science and reason and philosophy were dumb, Ooh. which comes from Paul. The line in Paul from memory is something like uh, the – The Wisdom of the Greeks is Foolishness to God, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Basically, Paul had this idea that, um, you know, all of you intellectuals with all of your fancy schmancy (laughs) ideas about reason and logic and science, God doesn't care. God thinks you're all idiots, doesn't care about any of your reason and logic. Uh, That idea, you you can draw a straight line from that. Through to Augustine's later work in particular uh, All the way through the Dark Ages Which is the whole point of of doing these early episodes Is to show how we ended up in the Dark Ages, right? Um, Augustine picked that up The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus To both Paul and latter Augustine In In his confessions, Augustine makes twice as many references To Paul's letters as he does to the four Gospels Ooh just to give you an indication, just like Paul in his letters never mentions Jesus in terms of his teachings or his miracles or his life stories. uh, Augustine doesn't mention Jesus either, rarely. Wow. He he likes Paul. He's all about Paul. Jesus, meh, take him or leave him. him. Really? (laughs) Jesus? What I care about is Paul. And, And early Christians were criticised for this by critics, Uh, this whole idea of Christianity saying science and logic and reason were were dumb. Celsus, there's a guy called Celsus who, unfortunately, we don't have his actual writings because they were destroyed, but we only have uh, Christian writers uh, uh, criticising Celsus, arguing with him in writing form, quoting his arguments. Um, but he was a second century Greek philosopher, wrote a book around 175 CE, where he attacked Christianity um, on the True Doctrine, was, the, was the, the name of his book. In this, he claimed that Christians were able to convince only the foolish, dishonorable and stupid, and only slaves, women and little children. Damn. Damn. Um, so, you know, from the very early on, uh, the intellectuals said Christianity was dumb and only dumb people liked it, but, um, didn't stop it being successful, man. But
1: I have to ask, I mean, science, logic, and reason would obviously be creations of God. If there's a God, I think what they're really saying is don't think. Believe, listen to us, and feel. I mean, I, I can show you on YouTube um, Nazi propaganda films when when they would put news bites out. That literally, the the person is saying, "Don't think, listen to us. We will tell you what is right. We will tell you what is best." I mean, not that I'm comparing Nazis to to Christians directly, but 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 it's but it's like that kind of thing. It's like you almost see them just being anti-intellectual, just because you don't want people to learn. The wider world, and just be submissive to them, and, and focus on your faith. Don't learn anything, and that way we can control you.
0: Well, don't forget the Nazis were Christians. That's true. It was a Chris- <laughs> it was a Christian it was a Christian party. It was one of the oh, articles of good the one. Nazi uh, charter that said we are Christians. Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, you're right, and, and I guess the thinking that they had, and some Christians continue to have, is that, well, science and logic and reason, and we're going to get into this in our episode coming up, um, episode 18, where we talk about Basil, because um, he, he was quite explicit in stating this, but if you read um, or you, if you get into science and logic and reason, it's probably going to diminish your faith. Mm -hmm. because it's going to provide logical arguments against your faith. And so therefore it is inherently bad and you shouldn't do it. Right.
1: And you might, uh, you might understand the outside world a little bit better through reason and science and logic and not praise or whatever God for everything.
0: Yeah. And it's the same reason you'll see um, religions today, like the Mormons is one that comes to mind, tell their Congregations not to read certain things, not to read certain books about the history of their church. Mm. Like there's there's a um, a number of histories on early Mormonism, the founder Joseph Smith, and that sort of stuff that have been published uh, that are quite reasonable books. They're quite balanced. but the the Mormon Church tells their congregations not to read them because it will, you know, because Satan wrote it and it's going to uh, fuck with their faith. And this and this kind of thinking is is still very prevalent in certain um, Christian denominations and mindsets. And also, it goes beyond that, man. Like uh, it. it, it <laughs> I remember, this is a true story, um, and I just said it's true, so that's how you know it's true. (laughs) Um, uh, I was sitting in a restaurant, in a bar or a cafe in New Orleans Mm -hmm. circa 1998 reading Iron, no, reading Chomsky. Mm-hmm. I was reading Chomsky sitting in a restaurant and a girl came up to me and said, you know, I was, I was taking a huge risk openly reading Chomsky in uh, Louisiana. Really? Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, what? I would imagine most people would not yeah. know who that was, but
0: well, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I find this with a lot of Western people, not just Americans, but I think it's the same here to a lesser extent, maybe though. If you, a lot of people won't even read Karl Marx, mm-hmm. they won't read Chomsky, or and on the left they won't read Iron Rand, they won't read The Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged, right. I don't know. You know, I've asked people, when I they'll be criticizing Iron Rand on Facebook, and they'll go, "Oh, you know, this, that, and the other." And I go, "Have you ever actually read it?" He goes, "Oh, I wouldn't waste my time reading it." <laughs> <laughs> really? That's interesting. You're happy to waste your time criticizing it, but you've never actually read it. And the same goes with people on the right not reading stuff on the left because they, I don't know, there's this. I don't, I don't want to read that. It might make me think. Yeah, might, might rub off on me. Might show. You, might change my views that I'm quite happy having, uh, <laughs> with no basis of investigation. So it's 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 a very like and fuck like uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place. This gets back to Daniel Kahneman, thinking fast and slow. We, we talked about this, mm-hmm. did we? Somewhere, you the maybe name- on bullshit filter the news. Yes, yes. yeah. Kahneman's great book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for um, behavioral economics. as his study of behavioral economics. And he has the system one and the system two thinking, and he explains that system one is sort of our subconscious stuff and system two is where we actually need to you know, waste energy thinking about hard things. And it, it, system one is where we have – Heuristics we have um, um, shortcuts for believing what goes on in the world and how things work, and it 's very easy for us just to fit everything in a heuristic, not have to think too deeply about it. It saves us mental energy, literal you know calories mm-hmm. that we don't have to devote to thinking, and so it's just easier to get through life if you just have accepted constructs that you just believe in and, and don't think too hard about and you can just stick things in boxes. Oh, yeah, that's this and that's that. Right. So it ties into that. And it's It's not just religious people, I guess, is my point here, and it's not just people in the fifth century that do this. This is how our brains have evolved to work for very good reasons over a million years because um, it helped us survive, um, but it, it's, it's got some serious flaws. Right. Right. And it's very hard to get out of. It's this whole thing of cognitive biases. You know, it's very hard to break out of cognitive biases. I struggle with it constantly. Um, How do I know that I'm really thinking what I'm thinking and I'm not just thinking what I'm thinking because it's easy and convenient for me to think that way, you know? Wow. Yes. The physician Galen of Pergamon, very famous, uh, invented, a lot of medicine, mm-hmm. that, that a lot of it was wrong, but he... He, he was trying. He, he was trying, that's right. <laughs> he influenced the development of the studies of anatomy, physiology, pathology, pharmacology, and neurology, as well as philosophy and logic. Wow. In the, in the second century, he died around 200 CE. And he also criticized Christians, for their adherence to faith rather than reason mm-hmm. So these people, you know, great the great thinkers in the second century Were running around and saying this stuff As we'll see as we, as we get further into the series um, The study of medicine sort of stopped with Galen He's the last guy that really did anything significant In the field of medicine until the Renaissance Wow uh, yes, 1,300 years it took twelve, thirteen hundred 1,300 years for people to build on top of Galen's work Partly as a result of Christianity in the Dark Ages uh, Augustine took Paul's major issues with Greek philosophy And sexuality and ran with them And this is another big aspect that ties into Augustine and then Basil mm-hmm. Because you, you can't have people thinking and fucking, Ray. <laughs> um,
1: I can do one or the other, but I can't do both at the same time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Augustine and Paul didn't want you doing either of them. Now, Paul, for good reason. Paul's right. reason, as I've explained before, is because he thought Jesus was coming at any time yeah, don't to worry. end the world as we know it. So you don't want to be thinking or fucking. There's no merit in thinking or fucking because Jesus is going to be here. So just get ready for that. Yeah. Prepare yourself for the end of days. That's staying. Now, Augustus is writing 400 years later, (laughs) give or take, 350 years later. Uh, But it's changed now. Now it's not about that. It's because fucking is bad. Fucking was the original sin.
1: Er. Uh, fucking a snake or what?
0: of the the original original sin Sin. You You might know how to play with fire fire. But did you you know know of the murder murder committed committed. In the name name of love love, Yeah You thought thought, what a dead. Dream Dream on whiteboard Girl, wake up to a brand brand new day to find
1: find Find your dreams dreams washed away.
2: There was a time time when when I did did not not care. care.
0: There, there was a time, a time when the facts, facts did stare there, there is a dream, and it's held by many Well, well I'm sure you had, had to, see. to see It's all open arms. arms Yeah, baby! <laughs> Early 80s, maybe even late 70s, bring it on! <laughs> Do you know that do you know that song, Ray? No. You're very quiet there. You're not singing along. No, I
1: do not know oh. that song.
0: A little band by the name of In Excess, Ray. Right. Uh Original Sin. One of their first big hits in this country. Nice. Uh Original Sin. Yeah, so Augustine's like, you know, no, the, the Original Sin was because people were fucking and they ate an apple. And, <laughs>
1: what is, you know, he... What is that based off of? I mean, as far as we know, they talked, they were little, you know, just hanging around. Um, there was no mention in Genesis about sex, was there? I didn't get that version.
0: Well, you know, yeah. Uh, God made Eve out of Adam's rib. Why he didn't just, you know, snap his fingers and make her, I don't know. But he, he made a Eve. <laughs> and then he plowed her. So Adam could... So Adam could plow her. No, he he plowed he plowed Mary. God plowed Mary later on. But no, he didn't plow Eve. No. Adam plowed Eve. Um okay. And that's why when she said, "Hey, come and eat the uh fruit of the tree of knowledge," Adam was like, "All right, baby, whatever but it, it takes play. to get it, get yeah. back into that pussy, right. man." Like he was he was <laughs> pussy Christ.
1: I've been a nightmare. Eve tonight. was a hottie.
0: Right, right. Eve was a hottie and the only woman. So That's you true. Know, it's not like he had a lot of choice. The sheep and the goats were getting a right bit tired. T- they were getting Eve. a bit they were running away. Yeah. Um Yeah. It, 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 you know, it was all tied up with with being inherently evil, having sex, which is the single idea that drove me away from Christianity when I was a kid. Not about the sex, but the evil. So it's it sounds um, like
1: we should not only is sex evil, but we should feel guilty for it, and violence against someone is okay as long as you're doing them um, a kindness. Are you doing it for the right reason? That's right. Sex and violence
0: anyway we're we're over time, so let me run through the and wrap up this episode quickly. So um, free will and original sin. Uh, And thinking and fucking some of the big contributions that Augustine made in (laughs) violence. Uh, Early on in his writings, he seems not to have believed in free will. He said everything was predestined by God. But then he starts to believe in free will just a little bit. By the end of his life, he seems to take to the position that Adam had free will. Mm. And when he ate the forbidden fruit, he became imbued with sin and the rest of humanity was fucked as a result. Wow. And by the way if I talked about the f- the the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil before, do you understand the metaphor of that? the metaphor what why was it bad for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit the apple although it never says it's an apple, but still
1: yeah because because do you know why w- it was bad um, well I know it was bad because he told them not to. Do You mean specifically, why was it bad why for, did for he, them to eat it?
0: Why did he tell them not to eat it? Because they would gain
1: knowledge? Of? Oh, the world? I can't, I can't remember.
0: The, it's the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil.
1: Ah, here we go. And he didn't want them to know so, the difference between good and
0: evil. Well, it probably means everything, really. Just knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil, which is all things. Right. So they they would gain knowledge. God didn't want them to know stuff. He wanted to keep them dumb. Nice. Like uh, if I if if I read it as a metaphor, which obviously is how it's written, it's basically um, saying that knowledge is what makes you unhappy. Oh, like God. Not knowing stuff right. is what, and it's true, right? If you if you have a frontal lobotomy. And I've always said I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than the frontal lobotomy. <laughs> but if you have a frontal lobotomy, you don't know what's good or bad. If you if you you're just chilling. If they do something and fuck up your prefrontal cortex, yeah, you're just chilling, right? <laughs> Eating, shitting, rubbing one out, that's all life's about. Um, so basically it's a metaphor or an allegory to say that it's actually when we got knowledge and we started to think and, and be faced with all of these decisions that we became unhappy. Oh. God didn't want us to be – God didn't want that. He wanted us to be dumb and happy. But we had to go and think, and, and that's the cause of all our problems. It's a bit like the story of Prometheus giving humans fire, and Zeus punishing him for giving humans access to tools. Basically, God's a cunt. He wanted to keep humans dumb and happy. Um Now, early on, Augustine took the view that biblical text should not be interpreted literally if it contradicts what we know from science and our God-given reason. Right. Early on, he wrote that God created the world simultaneously, and that the seven-day creation that's written about in Genesis is just sort of a, a, a an allegory of some sort of logical framework, not the passage of time in any sort of physical way. Mm-hmm. God just snapped his fingers and the whole thing was there, according to early Augustine. Nice. But then later on in Augustine, he, he like in the later, sorry, in the, in the yeah, in later on he starts to change his views. Early on in the 380s, he seems to talk about reason being important for finding the truth. And if and if the Gospels or anything else rub up against the reason, mm-hmm. then you should discard the scriptures and go with what reason says. But later on, as he gets older, he goes, nah, fuck all that shit. Some things are just beyond human reason and you need to take it on faith. So if, if what the church tells you, now that I'm a bishop right. in the church, <laughs> I'm here to say that if what the church tells you doesn't map to reason and logic and your own experience, then your reason, logic, and experience are wrong, and you have to do what the church says. He says uh, faith means faith in what the scriptures tell you or what the church tells you. Wow. Um, As he got older, he he thought that the root of sin was about pride, and this included pride in your own intelligence. Mm.
1: Very anti-intellectual, yeah.
0: Eventually, not when he started, but later on. Now, he started out not believing in miracles in his own day, suggesting that they were fabricated. Mm-hmm. But later in life, he sees them everywhere. <laughs> later in life, he claims he saw people raised from the dead through the use of magic water. So as he gets older, something happens. He he becomes a bishop. He becomes powerful. Maybe there's political f- things going on. Maybe it's dementia Who knows? But uh, in his later writings, he basically gives up all pretense of of, of reason and logic and intellectual uh, uh, understanding of things. He believes that every other form of learning had to be subordinated to the scripture. So in his writing, De Doctrina Christiana, which is his major work on exegesis of scripture, which he did towards the end of his life, Mm -hmm. He says secular knowledge, whether it's provided by mathematicians or scientists or philosophers, is only valid if it leads to an understanding of scripture.
1: Jeez. You know, when you said what you, uh, when you, a couple of minutes ago, I started to break in and go, this is all crazy. Can you imagine life on this planet if all we did was turn and think about God? And I was like, oh, yeah, the Dark Ages. Okay, never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. And 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 this is where we see, you know, the, the beginnings of it in a big way. One modern scholar has called Augustine the man who fused Christianity together with hatred of sex and pleasure into a systematic unity. Yeah. Good summation. He, he even believed that sex within marriage was evil. Oh, God. Not because of the physical act of fucking, but because of the lust. He decided that lust... Was evil.
1: I I have to ask, and, Cam. I'm sorry, I have to ask. When you make your adult films, isn't there a whole bunch of fucking and it's and certainly not love, but not lust because it's a job, it's a business. You're getting paid, so that would be okay.
0: <laughs> no, I do it because it, it's you know I believe that through the porn films, people will come to know God.
1: <laughs> okay. All
0: right. Yeah, the real reason I do it is I have a thunder, Ray. (laughs) A thunder in my heart. So Ray and I discovered on Facebook today, this week, that we were both listening to Leo Sayer independently at the same time because <laughs> we're both big fans. We've synced. And I, I, I had Leo Sayer on a podcast once. I got to talk to him oh, for an wow. hour. It was, It was awesome because that album that I posted on Facebook, Living in a Fantasy... Mm-hmm. It was like his 1980. That was the first album I ever bought. Oh wow! And and I still think it's a great album. Like every track in it, I still fucking love. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got to talk to him and, and nerd out and geek out. He was lovely. Such a such a sweetheart. Leo is. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this bitch up. So. Um, Lust is evil. Uh, eventually, he gave up reason to faith and authority, and he did a lot to undermine classical, the classical tradition of rational thought. In the City of God, he finally completed just four years before he died in 426. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as we've seen, the world was disintegrating. You had the first sack of Rome by the Christian Gothic invaders of 410, And Rome starts to fall apart rapidly at that period. Refugees from Rome are scattered, even as far as Africa. Christians had claimed that the empire had been instituted by God so that Christianity could flourish, but now, at least in the West, it's collapsing all around them. Some Christians saw the fall as Rome as the beginning of the last times, as it was uh, written oh. in the Book of Revelation, so they're like, "That's it! Finally, <laughs> I know we've been waiting four hundred years, but now, now, yeah, it's really coming. If if Rome can fall, yeah. Christianity be- took over Rome, then Rome fall, right. just so Jesus can come back. See, it's all part of a plan. It's all coming together. <laughs> the pagans, of course, on the other side, um, claimed it was precisely because the traditional gods." Yeah had been abandoned, that the city had fallen. But there's a strong sense through all of Augustine's writings of of his own guilt and sort of pessimism and his own sort of Mm self-hatred. Remember early in life he'd been fucking and getting women pregnant and, you know, partying and all this kind of stuff. He feels guilty about that. I think somewhere deep in his psyche there's some sort of irreparable damage that distorted his views about himself and humans in general. He sees people as inherently evil and damaged. Mm. And this permeates Christianity for the next, well, ever, <laughs> uh, really. Not to today. Uh, forever. You know, unlike Paul who who had no reason to think his writings would last because he genuinely thought the world was going to come to an end in his lifetime. Augustine expected his to become the orthodoxy. He wrote knowing that he was writing some foundational doctrines of Christian theology. Right. And some of the results
1: of that is, um, like we were saying earlier, religion starts to consume everyday life. Some people even go to monasteries to shut themselves away from the outside world so they can concentrate God. Uh, education obviously is still around, but as we go through the years, it really focuses on only being able to read and write and copy the Bible to keep that going. So education re- gets reduced and it pretty much serves Christianity. So like you were saying, medicine and also education and now reading and writing are all going to be victims of St. Augustine and people like him.
0: And the tragic side of Augustinianism, Augustinianism. Is that his work was treated uncritically for millennia. Good point. He was the Catholic authority. His views were were canonized as authoritative proof texts instead of just being starting points. Like Harry Anson. So it, it, it is... Like Harry Anslinger, exactly, or like President Nixon. Well, if Shane Augustine says it, then it <laughs> must be true, right? It, it wasn't a starting point for discussion. It was, well, that's, that's just the Final fucking law because St. Augustine wrote it. And he was at the top of Christian theology for at least a 1,000 years and as such provided the basic working template for the Dark Ages, let me, um, let me uh read a review before we go. Yes. This is uh, from Nana Cotty in Australia. They're back. <laughs> Nana Cotty writes, but spells their T-H-E-I-R as in their back Possession. instead yeah. of T-H-E-Y apostrophe R E. So I'm not really sure what's going on here. I strongly recommend this podcast. The boys are back and in top form. If you wish to be educated. Entertained and philosophies. Sure, that's (laughs) all Subscribe to this series. I have followed Cam and Ray since their first collaboration on the life of Caesar. The research, passion, and sheer hard work that goes into their work is only surpassed by the joyful life, schoolboy humor, and barroom language. Sorry about that, I'm 71 and still getting over the cunt episode. (laughs) Seriously. Subscribe to this episode, this podcast, and you will learn more than you thought you would after you stop laughing. Thanks, Ray and Cam, another winner. Thanks, Nana Aww. Cotty. And I'm not sure, Nana Cotty might be um, the nice lady who emailed me uh, recently and took me to task for our language. Mm. Um, and I pointed out, look, it, we're, we're just talking, this is just human stuff, right? Not only. Is sex natural? It's the only point of existence. Humans exist to pass on our genome right. to to the next generation. That's the entire, from a biological perspective, that's the entire point yep. of our existence. So to not talk about it, or to feel squeamish or or, or offended by talking about it, is is ridiculous. Unnatural. And then the words that we use to talk about it are, are, are just the funnest words to <laughs> use. So like, why? I honestly don't understand. Why people get offended and upset when we talk about fucking? Like it is, it is the whole point of existence. Why that's Augustine, right there? Augustine is the reason why people go, Ooh, yeah, don't "Oh, don't use the c-word." Yes, it's it's called a cunt. It's it's the wonderful things, part of a woman's body. Mm. And we use it as a derogatory term, the same way we say someone's a cock or a dick as well. But that's, that's the, part of the fun of the language is you can use it in lots of different ways. But it's a good thing. I want, don't understand why people get upset about it. It really, I don't understand
1: it. Well, we'll just keep exposing them to it and they'll get over it in time. So again, we're doing them a service.
0: But people like, well, you know, and then there are people like Nana Cotty. By the way, Nana Cotty send us an email, um, uh, arve at lifeofcaesar.com or whatever the email address is for this fucking show, I can't remember. Tell us that uh, you you, you wrote a review for the Renaissance. We'll send you, give us your address. We'll send you a token of our appreciation. But people like this who don't like the language and keep listening, we love you. they get my respect. Yes. Uh, yes. That too. All right, we'll be back next time with more uh, uh, Hypatia of Alexandria next time we